0: That's F R E T 1 0. That's all at isotope.com. dot com.
1: Hey, this is Ed
0: Peterson. And this is John Kiltica.
1: And this is the High Gain Podcast, John. Oh, man, the
0: High Gain Podcast, Ed. The people love it. They do. They've been talking all about it. Yep. What do we talk about here, John? Oh, we talk about the state of everything, including guitars, effects, and such like. Where are we recording from, John? Beautiful West Seattle, Washington.
1: I said a week ago that I would be gone this week. Yes. And I'm not. We decided to squeak one out. Squeeze one out. So I'm also in beautiful West Seattle. But everything is packed up. I've got my mic ready to go. I'm going to get off, and I'm going to unplug shit, and we're gone. For viewers
0: who are just tuning in, Ed is getting in the car and he's driving to Palm Springs. Palm Springs, California. California.
1: You know, it feels like if we're going to be quarantined and bunkered down, eh, we can do it wherever. What do you think of that, John? Crazy man. It's like four and a half hours from Palm Springs to Guadalupe. Yeah. Our friend, Justin Abernathy. Our friend and guitar maker. He lives in Guadalupe. Like, could I go stand in his driveway six feet away, wave to him, and then turn around and drive back?
0: (laughs) Hey, Justin, it's me. Your good friend, Ed. He would love that, right? Who's at my driveway with the mask on (laughs) waving at me?
1: I don't know. Literally, I wouldn't want to actually be around him. So it's like, oh, he could show me the outside of his shop. That would be cool.
0: You don't think if everybody's masked up and you just, like, don't touch anything that, uh...
1: You know, I am crazy paranoid. I am the picture of the safe guy. And we talked about it, and it's been on the show. I got sick in February, and I don't know what I had. And if it wasn't COVID... It'll do till COVID gets here. <laughs> that's some uh, No Country. Yeah, yeah. No Country's maybe one of my favorite books and maybe my favorite movie. It's a good one. Yeah. Oh,
0: hey. Hey. How's the weather, John? We're having a little bit of what we like to call here in Seattle, January. Yeah. Usually any
1: kind of real, consistent summer is 4th of July. And then, you know, it starts getting shitty around... 5th of July. (laughs) Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Sailing away on the crest of a wave, it's like magic. Ah. Slip and slide in its magic. And you, and your sweet desire. You turn to me. I hear higher, baby.
1: Beverages. Beverages, Ed. That was great, John.
0: Did you know what it was? Uh, I mean, I know the song. It's called "Living Thing from the album Out of the Blue, 1977. It's a good year. Yeah, that's a uh, ELO.
1: You know I'm a sucker for the prog, John.
0: Not really prog, but sure. ELO? Are they not?
1: ELO, genre, progressive pop, progressive rock. Prog pop, that's interesting. I totally picture them as a poppy prog band, but a prog band. Yeah, sure. Anyway.
0: What are you drinking, Ed? Oh, my gosh. You forgot the beverage.
1: I was so enamored by the song. You were hypnotized by the prog? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's going to be my new band, Hypnotized by the Prog. (laughs) I have a 32-ounce, a huge mug of black coffee. Yeah, you do. (laughs) (laughs) I have effectively half a pot of coffee in my hand.
0: Do you have like a big, huge thermos to take on the road so you can just be sucking down coffee the whole way down to California?
1: I'll probably do a couple of 32-ounce, you know, 64-ounces of coffee. That's what they recommend in a day, right?
0: Coffee, yeah. What about you? I too have black coffee, but Ed and I have risen very early on a Sunday Mm -hmm. to record this so Ed can get out on the road. Yep. So I'm not drinking my normal kind of refreshing beverage. I have a breakfast-y beverage with my coffee. Oh! Grapefruit juice. Oh, great. Yeah, it's very refreshing. Refreshing like a
1: punch in the fucking spit gland. I dig a nice glass of grapefruit juice on occasion, but it's hard. (laughs) It's kind of got that sour, bitter thing going on. I like that about it. From concentrate what do you got going on there it's from concentrate yeah concentrate like old school in the like weird container that's frozen (laughs)
0: the tube (laughs) is that still a thing it is right i don't know and then you'd stir it up you'd think it's all right and then you get like a lump at the bottom (laughs) a lump of just like syrup (sighs) What we have here, Ed, is the Gibson EDS-1275 Double Neck Guitar.
1: Shout out to our good friends at Thunder Road. ThunderroadGuitars.com, you mean? That's the one. Yeah. They just got this in like maybe a week ago, maybe? Yeah, a week or two ago. The Double Neck SG. Do I think it's cool, John? Do I? Kind of. It's clearly a live instrument. No one's going to buy that thing as just they're fucking around playing guitar. Are they? I don't think so. Are they?
0: The most famous songs that use it. Right. Live Stairway to Heaven, Live Hotel California. Yeah. Those were two hits. Right. I guess owing to the popularity of the songs themselves, it just became super duper iconic that way. Yeah. I think
1: it's kind of cool. I can't imagine actually, like, oh, let me just throw this 14-pound fucking guitar on and, like, practice my scales. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Double neck guitar. Uh Uh-huh. 1970s. Mm Mm-hmm. Have you heard of the Super Fuzz? Absolutely. All right. What do
1: you think of that? I think it sounds like a 70s fuzz pedal. Yeah. It's definitely brighter than, you know, kind of I picture most modern fuzzes. Like like that almost sounds like a fuzz pedal and a rat. Like it sounds like it's got more overdrive to it. <laughs>
0: A little bit, yeah. This would be the Superfuzz circuit started out with the shin people in Japan and ended up being used far and wide. There was a Univox. Mm-hmm. This one was made by Unicord. <coughs> Shin-A licensed the Superfuzz circuit to tons of people. And this one just happens to be the, you know, American Superfuzz. <coughs> got a big surface for your gigantor feet that says in big block letters, super fuzz. The sun life
1: pedal. Yes. That's one side of the pedal. Is it? Yep. The Sine FY2, FY6 units. <laughs> <laughs> How easy is that thing to play sitting
0: down? Sitting down uh, the lower neck, which is the six string one, it's fine. The upper one's kind of nutty to play. It feels like it would be top-heavy. It doesn't seem like it's rocking very much. Okay. But you know, Gibson was messing around with double-neck instruments as early as 1937, Ed. Oh, I did not know that. The first solid body Gibson ever built was the ESH-150. It was a double-neck instrument. One neck was six strings, and the other neck was an eight-string mandolin. Weird. 1937. 1937? Yeah. Really? Yeah. When I saw that, I thought, "Huh, oh, there's got to be others, right? Yeah. There were plenty of people that were kind of making their own. It was not an unknown concept. As early as like the 1690s. Whoa. There were multiple instruments.
1: I don't know that I've necessarily seen it. But I can totally picture medieval-style jester dude fucking dancing around and playing some fucking weird-ass double. (laughs) In
0: his long underwear. Exactly, with the pointy shoes and... Bells on his hat. (laughs) That. Wondering if the next song is the one that gets him killed. (laughs) This is what I picture. (laughs) You know? And that's it. Whether it's 1690 or the 20th century, the reason for doing it remains the same, to be able to play multiple parts. Maybe you were in a country band, and they didn't have a mandolin player, but they have you, and you know the mandolin and guitar. You could play both parts if you had that instrument. Right. I was looking for other people that did this. Ooh. Russell and Claude Deaver over there in Springfield, Missouri. (laughs) Russell and Claude
1: Deaver sounds like a very Springfield, Missouri kind of crew.
0: Yeah. They made what they called the Stratosphere Twin. Ooh. In 1954. Ooh. I don't know if you're near a Google machine or something to look up the Stratosphere Twin.
1: That's got a very right at that time name.
0: It's thought to be the first double neck guitar offered generally to the public. Okay. Kind of beats out Gibson by a little bit. The Stratosphere Twin is kind of dope. It was popularized by a guy named Jimmy Bryant. Yeah. Him and Speedy West, who was a slide guitar player. Okay. They got together and they wrote this song called the Stratosphere Boogie, specifically to highlight this guitar. Wow. There are only like 200 of those Stratospheres ever made. So finding one, man. Yeah. I
1: wonder if there's any on reverb. Yeah. Oh my God, there is. Yeah.
0: $15,000. I would take that over the Gibson. Yeah. This thing's very
1: cool. Wow,
0: Russell and Claude in Springfield, we salute you. Yeah, what are they up to? I'm not going to pre-dong. I don't know. We don't assume dong. (laughs) (laughs) Assume dong. (laughs) No. (laughs) Yeah, don't. (laughs) If they made these guitars in 1954, one could mathematically suppose they are gone. But I'm not going to do that.
1: They could have been in their early 20s, mid to early 20s, right? They could have been. Yeah. You know, in which case they could still be around. 95 years old?
0: Right. It's possible. This is why we don't bang the dong. Should I tell you what happens next? Yeah, please. In 1957, Gibson gets to work. Mm Mm-hmm. They want to do a double neck, too. Mm Mm-hmm. And they come up with two models. One is, like the one I'm holding, a 12-string neck and a 6-string neck. And the other one... Is the six string and the mandolin. I guess that was popular at that point, 1957, all the country dudes. Sure. And it was available in three colors sunburst, black, and white. The one with the 12 string neck was called the double 12, and the other one is called the double mandolin. Yeah. 1957, the double neck 12 string. How much? What are they getting for that thing in 1957 dollars? God damn it. Two necks. Two necks? I'm going to go 324. That is actually pretty close, Ed. Yeah? It was 475 eh, Kind of close. But man, you know what that translates into? It's got two
1: necks, so it blows the two grand. Is it closer to three grand? $4,334.
0: Whoa. In today dollars. Whoa. You're getting two guitars. You're paying for it. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Two guitars at $2,000 each, right? But then there's a switch that lets you switch between the necks. That's going to cost you. 300 bucks. There you go.
0: Interestingly. Yes. These are not the guitar you might be picturing in your head. They were hollow, Ed. Oh, no kidding. Let that sink in. That seems lighter. That's a good thing. And there were no F holes. Hollow body, no F holes. Yeah, so I'm guessing they were much lighter, and they made those all the way until 61. You know that one? Oh, sure. 25 or 6 to 4? Yeah. Fabulous band, Chicago.
1: Yeah, I know that song. I could do that on this guitar, because it has two necks, Ed. The Chicago Boys? Did they use that live? I have no idea. <laughs> okay, thanks.
0: 1962, that is the magic ear, Ed. <sighs> yeah. They switch over to the solid body SG style that we are familiar with today. At the same time, they made the EBS-1250 which was a six-string guitar neck and a bass neck. Yeah. And had a built-in fuzz tone. Oh, no shit? Yes, please. Yeah. The Eagles used this guitar to great effect live when they would play Hotel California.
1: that's pretty good the actual band that i've seen yeah that plays double neck guitars boris they bring the heavy they bring the heavy but they also bring the double neck guitars they're giving you twice as much every song man do i know what you're saying this guitar does it have the big block inlays it does the split parallelograms yeah those are dope walk me the guitar because i can't totally picture
0: it Each neck comes with two humbuckers. Are they PAFs? This guitar is 1974, so this is probably not PAFs. It's whatever humbuckers they were using then. Yep, yep. Two tones, two volumes. Mm Mm-hmm. Other than that, the body shape and the necks look like an SG. Mm Mm-hmm. Initially, in 62, you could get these in black, cherry, sunburst, and white. By the time this thing comes out, they've got a whole range of colors that you can get. Our example is Walnut. (laughs) Walnut. Switch up, 12 string only If I put it down 6 string only If I put it in the middle, I get both I don't know if you can hear this Uh You'll get sympathetic ring off the 12 string neck Can you hear that?
1: Yeah, totally, that's cool Yeah, yeah, that's great There it is Oh That could be very cool live
0: That's rattle off the 12th string neck. Seems like
1: that would be pretty uncontrollable live, but if you could figure it out.
0: If that's the thing you want. Yeah. Now it's off. So I'm not getting that ring. In between the two necks, there's another three-way switch that is simply a pickup selector for each of the necks. <laughs> I don't picture the Go-Go's.
1: We got the beat. No. Mm-mm. No? The chorus thing. What were you
0: playing today, John? Let's talk about that, Ed. Okay. I'm on the six-string neck. I'll go over here to the 12-string neck. Ed brought to me a bag of pedals that he will not be needing out in the desert. They didn't fit in my desert island bag. So in preparation for this episode, I thought, huh, if I'm going to be playing this 12-string, I am going to need some modulation. What am I supposed to do about that? Sure. Let's look in the Ed bag. And I found the Caroline Guitar Company Somersault Lo-Fi Modulator pedal. Yes. It does all kinds of combinations of the tremolos and the choruses and the sawtooth wave patterns and all of that. And you can get super nutty with it. Yeah. But I knew what I was going to be playing today, so I just put it on (laughs) mellow.
1: So you know what you can do? Play and then hit the secondary foot switch and hold that down. Hold it down. Ooh. It's like a chaos mode almost where it just like maxes the effect out. You've got it on a pretty mellow setting. If you go a little on the whack end with the settings and then hit that knob.
0: Okay. I put on an Echo Plex pedal. Ooh. Ooh, do me.
1: Dial that in, and you'll be ready to join Boris. So do me. I think what would be really great, yes, is if you're out there and you're in a playing live band. I think it would be killer to have this guitar. It's sitting over on the side, so it's just like, oh man, what are they going to play with that? And then just on one song, pick that guitar up, put it on, and then only play the six string side, and then put it back down. (laughs) What? (laughs) The limited utility of that guitar, I think, is awesome. I dig it. Yeah. Solid body shapes. I think SGs are sweet.
0: It's very devilly.
1: My favorite.
0: They made the devilly only until 68. What do you mean? 1962 to 1968. And then they took a little bit of a break. Took a breather. Sure. Did not reintroduce it until 74. The one you've got is first year of
1: reintroduction.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Between 68 and 74, that's when Stairway to Heaven was done. And so Jimmy Page had to actually order one made because they weren't making them anymore.
1: Yeah. One thing I read was that the bodies aren't like CNC machined and they're all very custom. So apparently those early ones, they're so one-off, the body shapes all vary just a little bit because they were very hand cut. I could see that. That's a thing I read.
0: So that's cool. These days, you can still get them. I think there's even a Slash model. Totally. But I didn't want to talk about that, so I didn't go that far into the future. (laughs) Sure. I'd like hanging out back here in the 70s, Ed. Oh, hell yeah.
1: I do think there's something in the desert that does something to people, like those Eagles of Death Metal and Queens of the Stone Age and Caius. There's a lot of, like, aggro-y desert boys. (laughs) <laughs> a lot of like dried up testosterone just waiting <laughs> to crust off on people <laughs> like they need a good kick in the spit gland <laughs> yeah yeah Ooh, my car has a little uh charger i could take my fucking guitar shit out into joshua tree and play guitar in the desert
0: i think you should yeah Hey,
1: John. Yeah. We went and saw Pedals and Effects. Shout out to Juan. I think he's getting better, but also shout out to Nick Reinhardt. And Nick Reinhardt just released a new album, his band Disheveled Cuss, their debut. Ooh. Do you know about this? I don't. It sounds like teenage fan cluby, weesery kind of thing. It's crazy because you put it on and it's like, oh my God, this does sound like an album that would have come out 20 some years ago. And it's killer. I think it will be very your jam.
0: I am writing that down right now to look up on the interwebs. Disheveled cuss. I'm going to look that up. I think everybody should look that up, viewers. Ed has just hipped you to something. It's really good. Everybody should look that up. You know what else they should look up, Ed? Oh, the High Gain. The High Gain. Yeah. We have a
1: webpage. Oh, thehighgain.com.
0: Thehighgain.com. And we are also on a lot of the socials.
1: Oh, sure. Twitter. Facebook. Instagram. Yep. LinkedIn. Pinterest. YouTube. All of them. Patreon.com slash The High Gain. If you
0: want to help us out. Sure. On this journey.
1: Shout out to all the Patreoners, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. This is going to be great, Ed. Yeah. Ed in the desert. Desert Ed. Looking at tarantulas. Sure. The cool cactus. Yep. That's where the tarantulas hide.
1: Yeah. Have a safe drive down there, Ed. Thank you, John. All right, then. I'll see you in a week.
0: Okay, cool. Bye. Bye.